0: Welcome to this week's episode of Man, Buns, and Jesus. I am one of your hosts. I guess, I don't, I guess do podcasts have hosts? I'm one of the yeah. people that are on record record. Uh, Josh Laborius, I'm a pastor in Eastvale, California. And that over there is my co-host, Ben Oschlager. Uh <laughs> hailing from somewhere in the great white north. Yeah, it is
1: actually white outside right now. We got snow Saturday, um, but friend of mine who's like five miles south of here, nothing, no snow on the ground. So
0: yeah, it's it's gonna get up to sixty nine degrees here today. So
1: we're topping out, I think, at a balmy thirty five.
0: That sounds terrible. <laughs> <sighs> uh, I don't have any inclination to go visit you in weather like that, Ben.
1: Come in the summer. It's better in the summer.
0: I'd think
1: um, about it then. So today is what? This will be released uh, three days after, it is Christmas. after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so Josh and I's brains are still fully in Christmas mode. Um, and something that I've been thinking about a lot uh, over the last you know week or so as I'm kind of crunching ideas for uh, my christmas services and the sermons that i'm going to be preaching around christmas and uh this is kind of a riff off where i'm actually going christmas eve so some of this might be overlap if you're a member of my church and, and you've heard me preach on some of this already but uh i want to talk about t- today i want to talk about the war on christmas um and uh this might make some of you uncomfortable and I hope to that kind you're okay of
0: our joy in life. So,
1: yeah. Uh, that's, that's how Josh and I find joy. That is our love language is making people uncomfortable. Um,
0: <laughs> that sounds so wrong. You shouldn't have phrased it like that.
1: <laughs> um, you know what I meant though?
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but does uh, every single person listening to this podcast know what you meant? He meant we both enjoy challenging people. And if we're challenging you, it means we do genuinely care about you. That is what he meant to communicate.
1: Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. <laughs> Someone in this conversation has to speak, Ben. Um, anyway, and engineers. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, the thought that's kind of been bouncing around my head. Related to the war on Christmas is the war on Christmas is oftentimes you know framed as this um, battle between Christianity and the people in the world who want to silence Christianity and the Christmas story, um, and I think not only is that a, a gross oversimplification of the problem, but I also don't think it's the problem. Um I would go out on a limb to say that the real problem in the war on Christmas is that the uh, as, as these layers of uh, Christmas spirit, we'll call it, get stripped away from the public eye, you know, as Christmas specials stop appearing on TV as uh, Christmas music gets increasingly secular, as uh, you know less and less people are actually focusing on uh Jesus and the birth narrative as part of their Christmas experience um, It's stripping away opportunities for people to just kind of be passively evangelized uh it's stripping away opportunities for um, the the Word of God to be proclaimed into the world um and not necessarily that you know, those forms of media were God-given ways to do that, because I, I don't necessarily think they were, they're part of industry. Um, but it makes Christians uncomfortable because now they have to fill a void that for many, many years has been filled by media and culture and society. Um, and so now you have an actual need to proclaim the Christmas story yourself. And I don't think Christians are comfortable doing that. And in a lot of ways, like this war on Christmas kind of plays into a larger story around the culture war. And I think that, that battle too, is just so poorly framed in the way that, that we talk about it as a church, as, as, pastors as the people of God and um we really need to take a look at it and, and think is the battle we think we're fighting really the battle we're fighting
0: right and I think I, I want to start off kind of to just dismantle the language of this the war the battle whatever because mm-hmm. um it's kind of taking this attitude of it, like you see with little kids Right. Mm -hmm. If a little kid uh, accidentally trips another little kid, it's not a, oh, this was an accident. It's how like they trip me. They are a villain here. Um, And it's like probably not uh, some famous person at one point said uh, never attribute to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. (laughs) Um, Except here, I wouldn't even say that. I would say (laughs) don't attribute to malice what you can you can attribute to capitalism. Right. Uh like one of the one of the things that I've I've heard brought up in this war on Christmas, quote unquote, is Starbucks changing their cups and oh no, they're just red. Um and I actually I got an email. I don't know if you've ever heard of Zach Zender. He did the red letter oh, challenge. Yeah. That's his shtick. Um I say shtick, I, I don't mean that like condescendingly. I think the red letter challenge is great. Um but he sent an email yesterday and I, I didn't click the read more button. So I don't know where he was going with it, but it started off. Like everybody was like, Oh no, they changed the cups. And he said, I was just, this guy's a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, I believe. Um, he said, I was just sitting there thinking those new cups look pretty slick, right? Starbucks wasn't trying to attack Christianity or, or remove, you know, the Christ from Christmas. They're not trying to take away your, your religion they're trying to make money and they recognized in their focus groups and whatever that they could appeal to a broader audience with the slick red cup than they could with something that was more Christmassy um, as we would kind of think of it in, in the church. So like, and and I think most of these situations, it's not an aggressive, I want to get rid of Christianity. I genuinely do think, You know, if if we're going to approach sins in this situation, it's a sin of idolatry of money more than Mm -hmm. it is uh, aggression against the Christian faith. Right. Like these TV specials, Mm -hmm. they're not trying to get rid of the Christ and Christmas. They're trying to sell advertising space. Right. And I think a lot of these things we get really upset, like they're targeting us, but they're they're not. They're really just trying to make money. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's not to rule out, Matt, like someone up high up in one of these organizations, maybe they do um, have an issue with Christmas. But Mm -hmm. I think for you to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, um, you have to be able to put your personal feelings aside to make the money decision. So that's kind of what I want to start with, right, is let's leave this whole war uh, battle language behind because – it's it's implying an aggression that I genuinely do not think is there and more than that I think when we talk about it as a war we're playing into kind of what Ben was talking about our own um laziness because it's a, a lot easier to leave someone alone who is the villain in the story instead of just like another person um and I think, I, I think we see this all over the church because 50 years ago, 60 years, well, at this point, maybe 70 years ago, the culture did two things for you. The culture evangelized, like Ben talked about, but the culture also kind of enforced a, uh, a Christian ethic of sorts. Mm-hmm. It didn't maybe go as far as Christians should, but it was in the right direction.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we lament when we see that, well, a lot of people lament. I kind of just shrug my shoulders. Um, We lament when we see that disappearing because the reality is I'm not convinced that evangelism by the general culture is actually that effective. Mm -hmm. You get social Christians um, that are more driven by fitting in than they are by their faith. And even with the morals thing, like, and and Paul talks about this in the new Testament about you you can't measure believers and non-believers by the same standards, right? If they're not operating from the same understanding of what God is, who he is, what he did, like there is no reason for them to adhere to a a Christian ethic, right? And our responsibility is to evangelize as Christians. And this is something that I, I also think the culture is kind of, It's something that pastors are having to undo right now. And that is we pay someone else to evangelize. You pay the pastor, you pay a director of outreach, you pay, um, you pay a a TV producer for their Christmas special. And it's like, no, you talk to your friends, you talk to your family. Then when you have evangelized, then you bring them to me and I can take it from there. Mm But and that's something where I have to come back because we're like, oh, we just pay this guy. And it's like, no, no, no. You, you don't pay someone to evangelize your friends and family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is that push. And then as far as the ethics, like there not being a law against something does not <laughs> shouldn't change anything. Because uh, the reason you don't engage in something that you shouldn't be doing or the reason you do something you you should do. Shouldn't be because the government is standing there saying we're going to punish you. Otherwise, it should be because your faith drives you into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live by grace; like we don't live because there's a fear of punishment. We live because God said this is how you're supposed to live. So, when I hear the war on culture, when I hear the war on Christmas, I think, "Get over yourself. <laughs> Go out and live <laughs> how a Christian's supposed to live." Right. The, the what the laws are in place or not in place, what Starbucks is doing, what Fox is doing, what whatever the channel you watch is doing, it shouldn't change how you live, really. It that's that's my, I guess, opening spiel. <laughs> Anything you want to riff off of or uh call me out on the carpet on?
1: No, I, I think you hit on a lot of a lot of the points. Well, um, I think. Tossing aside the war language is definitely a good piece because as, as I think about how the war on Christmas plays out or, or how the culture war plays out um I, I picture like if you have two groups that are diametrically opposed to each other going to war you're going to have a head-on or a head-to-head confrontation and I feel like in both of those supposed wars, the war on Christmas, the war on culture, or culture war. Um, I kind of more picture a fight where people, that like the two opposing parties are going to the peaceful parts of their opponents group and just beating on peaceful bystanders rather than actually any sort of conflict. Because you're right, there are like the vast majority of, of people in the in the these conflicts, uh are not actively participating. You have small minorities on each side. And Rather than those minorities like either A, working through the things that the other person that, or that the other group is is doing and, and trying to process it in a healthy way, or rather than, you know, having discussions with their own tribe, per se, they're just lashing out against mostly the peaceful bystanders on the other side because they know that A, those people won't really respond, so they get kind of a moral victory out of the whole thing. Uh, And B, that, like... No, that was B. A, they get to to be in a battle where the other side isn't going to fight back, and B, they get to feel some sort of moral victory out of it. it. It's just an unhealthy, like...
0: All of the ways I, all of the words that come to mind for me are inappropriate. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's an unhealthy situation for for basically everyone involved, and more than that, it just it grinds against everything that Paul writes about in the New Testament in terms of Christian ethics. Um, the way that now that we live in this this uh, church driven world. For for us as Christians, this world where the the ethics of the church should drive us, those things seem to run contrary to any sort of, like, conflict against the people that oppose our ideals. Like, even if there is open conflict, we're supposed to just sit there and take it, not fight back.
0: Um. And I think, I I actually, I preached on this this past weekend. I think the story of Stephen in the New Mm -hmm. Testament is a great kind of example. So he did, um, maybe argument isn't the right word, but he made his case for the faith in in Jesus Christ, which at his time, it wasn't, um, let me point out the scientific or philosophical or whatever evidence um, that I can muster in this, it was. I'm pointing out things from Israel's history that point us to Christ because that was his audience. So that's the argument he's making. Um, And he makes this argument and it is rejected. It is rejected aggressively and they stone him and he does like, so we're talking about a war on culture. Like there was an actual battle going on and by a battle, I mean, they were executing him Um, and his response is not to argue, not to defend himself, not to get aggressive. None of these things that I think are our first instinct as, as people. His reaction is, um, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It's a radical grace. And, uh, and I, I, there's not textual evidence for this, but I really think that the Holy spirit because Saul was there for that. And the next story we hear about Saul is him converting. And I, I genuinely believe that that the Holy Spirit was working in his heart even then. And as we translate that to today, if someone, like, say someone is getting in your face, and someone is aggressive, um, kind of anti-Christian, and your response is uh, compassion and grace and saying like, I'm not going to hold this against you. Here, have a Christmas cookie. Um, that's ra- Like that, we we talk about grace and we talk about grace and rightfully so because, you know, that's why all this matters. But nothing communicates that, that grace more powerfully than actually <laughs> acting with it, right? It's like uh, a classic example would be, if you get a personal trainer, you don't want a personal trainer who's 400 pounds overweight, right?
1: Because they're you telling you things and you're like, thing.
0: obviously that it's not working for you. So why would, why would I train that way? And I think it's the same way. If a Christian comes and they're proclaiming grace. They're like, uh, you know, Christ came to forgive you your sins and they're not forgiving. They're not gracious. They're not merciful at all. What are you actually, <laughs> you're you're literally beating them (laughs) except except this kindness from me and you're just it's not it's disingenuous it's not and as far as i'm concerned i really genuinely don't think it's effective either Mm -hmm. um i haven't done any statistical research on that i ain't got that kind of time but
1: you know yeah uh Kind of circling back to the the example of Stephen, I think one thing that's been pointed out to me in looking at that story is not only is that Stephen's response to to ask God to take away their like take away this the sin from the people who are stoning him to death, actively stoning him to death, Um, but God looks on that response and smiles on Stephen in a way, and as Acts, you know, describes, God lets Stephen fall asleep.
0: X seven, by the way, in case you're curious.
1: Stephen experiences the stoning, the stoning death, but he does not experience it in its full brutality. God rewards him for his peacemaking, for his humility, for his servant heart in the face of the most extreme uh, conflict that a Christian could face.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to this war on Christmas, right, don't – if you do genuinely believe it's, it's a conspiracy to remove the church, to, like, conquer the church, first of all, recognize that the church is unconquerable, right, because it, it, it's not up to us or the Christmas specials or the Prince on Cups. Christ is, is the head of the church. Mm -hmm. and and there's no there's no conquering him um and also like we get really down on the chair we think it's in a terrible place because it's it's not doing super it's admittedly not doing great in america right now but like globally if we open up our perspective a little bit like you look at what's happening over in africa with the work of the holy spirit and how they're like how makana is growing um the spirit is working. The church is growing in, in incredible ways. And, you know, maybe what's happening here in, in America is, is a pruning mm-hmm. because the church was so, so dominant in a lot of ways, but also in, in maybe some ways that weren't so healthy. So mm-hmm. maybe we look at this and we say, well, this is, this is a pruning. This is a, a healthy thing for the church to have to face and, and struggle through. Um, so even if you do genuinely think, that the church is being attacked. Like we're not called to fight back. Like Ben said, we're called to say, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We're we're called to show compassion and love and, and go into Starbucks. And even if they don't have a Christmas tree or whatever the the heck on their cup to be really kind to the the barista to tip um, what some might say is a ridiculous amount, like, to show the kindness and compassion. And when they ask you why you say, Oh, well, it doesn't matter what you have on your cup. Christ still died for you. Maybe don't say that sounds a little cheesy, but, um, but we're, we're, we're called to Merry live Christmas the same way plenty. regardless.
1: Yeah. yeah. God bless. Merry Christmas is plenty, but, uh, you know, like I think one of the things that you said there is that, that pruning, um, as kind of part of, of this process. And in my head, I'm picturing, you know, this massively overgrown shrub. And like one of the things that's kind of interesting about a lot of plants is that it's like, especially fruit trees, they're not fruitful unless they're pruned. Right. And if you, plant a tree. It's going to grow in its young age. It'll be fruitful. It'll be good. And it'll continue to fruit a little bit as it starts to grow past that. And then eventually it just gets to a point where as a plant, it is just comfortable hunkering down. Um, And I feel like that's where the American church is at. It's overgrown its influence. It's overreaching its abilities, uh, over-relying on the, the plants that it tried to drop and, and sprout beneath it that it probably killed off by uh, overshading them. And now we're in a process where we have to strip back some of the, the luxury of being able to grow that large. Some, strip back some of the uh, the comforts that have come with being this well-rooted, overgrown plant and actually figure out how to bear fruit again um
0: well and i like think Josh that said. can circle all the way back to the beginning of the discussion of i think the average christian probably we we got a little lazy because Absolutely. it was so big the fruits the the acting um in with a christian ethic the evangelism which i think are the two the two main fruit that we're looking for right um mm-hmm. When the tree got so big, metaphorically speaking, those fruits stopped bearing. And part of it is, at least with the evangelism part, it was, I mean, I guess you could argue it wasn't necessary, but I, there's no point in history when everyone in this country was Christian. So, But now that it's starting to be pruned and some of that tree is getting cut away, there's more space. For that fruit, and it's 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 being forced almost that this fruit is is bearing out, right? Because as the church is sh- shrinking, the gospel's having to go out, and it's it's everyday Christian, it's just regular people who are who are bearing this fruit. And, and that's what we're called to, each and every one of us as Christians. Um so I, I do think that is. A healthy like when i hear how the church is shrinking i think you have two options right people start bearing fruit or the tree dies and i i don't think god is done with this tree um and he's not going to let it die so that means we got to start bearing fruit pitter patter let's get at her yeah
1: yeah absolutely i i think the last image that's kind of bouncing around in my head now is uh, there's that, that tree I don't remember which of the gospels it's referenced but it's during Jesus' final week in Jerusalem he and the disciples are, are walking around Jerusalem, there's a fig tree sitting there, I think it's around Jerusalem it might be just outside um, and they pass it on, on the way into town on the way back out it's still not bearing fruit even though it's only been a day and Jesus curses it and it kills, or and it dies um and the disciples look at jesus like you're crazy dude why did you just kill a tree and jesus like turns to them and goes basically 21 this is the the ben uh version of of this text basically bear fruit or die
0: um he said here here i i gotta pull that we have This is Matthew 21, starting in verse 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you... Oh, wait. No, this isn't the one you were looking for. It says, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it'll happen.
1: Yeah, it's not the one I was looking for. But um, I'll I'll keep scrolling. The... I might be confusing two stories too. That's certainly a possibility. But uh, he does
0: talk about like trees and stuff a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, but I'm he, just
0: interrupting your train of thought all over the place, aren't I?
1: Yeah, you are. Uh, but he he definitely references like, look, your responsibility as a fruitful part of the vine, like going to John 15. Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, uh, talking about the way that the, the vine and the branches bear fruit, uh, the, the unfruitful branches get burned and thrown into the fire, uh, The they get pruned. That's very much what's happening here. Um, and on some level, if it's making you uncomfortable, great.
0: Just make because sure that your response to that discomfort is not to rail at the discomfort. The, the response is to do something. About it. And yeah, I'm going to use this example because this is what is familiar to me. Um, mm-hmm. If you are weightlifting and you get to a point where it is, you're a little uncomfortable, like you're at, you're at that threshold where it's starting to be really hard. If you drop the weight and 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 like just get mad at the barbell, I guess, and then drop your weight less, you're not gonna grow. How you grow is you you engage that discomfort, you push through that discomfort, and and you you, you get stronger. And then eventually you get guns like Pastor Josh, right? So. <laughs> React in the right way to this discomfort. I had arm day today. I think I still have a little bit of that pump left. So
1: nice. My my exercise <laughs> program is not rigorous enough to, to match Josh. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I wonder if the pre
0: workout would... I use will sponsor this podcast.
1: <laughs> you can try. Um,
0: there are a lot of like really man buns and Jesus y weightlifters. Oh, I believe it. I feel I like half it. of half of all weightlifters are like recovering drug addicts who found Jesus and now they just lift weights and do Jesus things. Yeah. So uh are we ready for our takeaways for the day? Sure. You want to start or you want me to start?
1: Uh yeah, I'll start. I think my my takeaway from today is um know your battle uh like is this really a battle in the first place uh and if it is who are you actually fighting are you fighting uh people who are trying to take you know christmas or christianity away from culture or are you fighting your own desires to not have to actually do any work for the church um because one of those I think is the real battle and it's not that people are really trying to deny the church. Yeah.
0: And I think my takeaway is don't kind of related to that. It's don't expect other people to bear fruit for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I don't think we're there where people expect, I, well, maybe we are in some circles, but where you expect people to do good things for you. But I definitely think we're there of like, well, evangelism is so-and-so's job. It's the pastor's job. It's the director about like, you are called to bear fruit as a Christian in whatever, like I'm not calling all of you to go to seminary and do that. What I'm saying is where you are with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, you are called to evangelism where you are in the relationships you have, um, So that's, that's kind of, I guess, my challenge for you today is don't, um, don't try and pawn off the fruit you've been called to bear. So, um, some prayer, prayer ideas for today. Um, I think a a prayer for the holidays, there are still people traveling. Actually, when this is released, I will be, well, I will have finished traveling, hopefully, um, but I'll be in the midst of that. And a lot of people travel around New Year's um, and with, connected with that. Pray for your pastors. There are uh, there's a thing called the pastor flu. And uh, it, it tends to like hit after Christmas, you'll see, uh, and this happened on my vicarage. It was me. And then there were two pastors of the church. And as soon as Christmas was over, they both went down for a week with the flu because during the holiday season, pastors are go, 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 go a lot of times. And when they stop their body's like, okay, hard stop. Uh, so pray, pray for everyone, all of, all of the pastors who are about to get sick um, <laughs> and, and pray for your mission. Pray for the people in your life who need your witness. Uh, pray that the Holy spirit works through you to provide that witness and uh pray that you have the the fortitude to do so to to speak out to invite him to church to invite him to um to bible to to do some bible studies with you even just to pray with them so those the are prayer every Jim bro ever what's that
1: every gym bro ever we want to see you make those gains
0: make those gains gains with a z that's important um So with that excellent closing note, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.